Welcome to the Masters of Comic Books podcast, where we're two fanboys with all the power. I'm your player one, Cole L. And I'm your player two, Dayspring. What's up, Familia? I am the Uncanny Dayspring, and today I'm joined by my player one, Cole L. Hello, what's going on? Hello. <laughs> I'm just so excited to be back. It's been, I don't even remember the last time I've even seen your beautiful, beautiful face. Stop it. My face pales when compared to you. I literally woke up this morning and I I was really excited. And I'm like, oh, I'm really excited because I'm talking to Cole today. I, I woke up in a great mood today, and it's raining, and it's such a gloomy we- gloomy weather today, and that's not even getting my mood down. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have been dying to talk to you about Ultimate Spider-Man. I, 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 I follow, obviously, all the reviews you post, so I kind of know your general feels, and we talk about it on DMs. But having this face-to-face with you and chatting about Spider-Man is something that, like, just brings so much joy to me because we covered the beyond story over Mm -hmm. at masters and I liked it. I I used to think that was really, really good. Mm -hmm. And then now we have ultimate Spider-Man. Well, that doesn't, I mean, ultimate Spider-Man compared to anything else that's being released at Marvel is, I mean, this, everything else sucks compared to this. (laughs) I am so glad you said that. And I think that's something you and I have aligned. We we have butted heads in the past, but I think recently we align on our our feels with the current Xbooks, specifically the Xbooks. And, you know, Fall of the House of X, issue two, which we did a collab post. You wrote the review and, and we had it amplified on Power of X Men. I think you nailed it. I mean, the books are just at an all-time low. It's so weird because, like, there just doesn't seem to be some sort of end goal. Like, right now, it's almost like... It's, you kind of see it with the MCU, too, and I don't want to do any comparisons, but it's just more like you see more quantity over quality. And it's just like they're just kind of going through the motions at this point, And... Every and like reboots happen, I don't care, that doesn't bother me at all. It's just there just doesn't seem to be what are they striving to try something new, drive to wow us in some way. Now it just seems like nostalgia is the only way to go. Like, just keep on looking back. I mean, that's try and keep on appealing to the 40 to 50 year old comic book readers that you, <laughs> but like, i don't want that to sound rude but like and it's fine i'm okay with like older creators like anna senti or peter david or jm dimateus getting work that's fine but like it totally shuts the door on yeah. newer creators and i think this dc has done a pretty decent job with that by having books like fire fire uh fire and ice welcome to smallville um uh, where you had Joanne Starr do some great work, or Hot Girl, where you had, um, I can't remember their first name, but their last name's like Axelrod, which is awesome. Um, they did great stuff too. And like they're actually giving those miniseries, like set in current continuity and giving 
a platform for LGBTQI plus or whether you're black or Asian, they're giving them the spotlight that I think and actually giving them work, which is great. And plus they've done a really great job of like actually giving um, specific, like there's great art on those books too, on each of those. And they each have a distinct style, but they're uh, keeping those in, they're like making a statement with each of those books, making sure they're important. They're not just throw away out of the blue nostalgia books that are literally for no one. And so Sorry, I, I, I could go on a rant for that forever, but that's just exactly how I feel. Marvel just seems to be going through the motions. It only seems like uh, very few people really even care about Marvel anymore when it comes to, like, you have Jonathan Hickman that's doing stuff like Ultimate Spider-Man that's actually really fun and actually gets down to the knit and grit of what it means to be a Marvel superhero. Unfortunately, it has to take place in a whole other universe that was just created last year. And then uh, Jed McKay is doing good stuff. Uh, Al Ewing is the only one that actually cares about Marvel history. But everything else is just like, if it's not pertaining to the MCU, who cares? <laughs> well, I, I want to pull on a couple of threads that you just said, because I, I agree I with <laughs> you. I know, I know. So get comfortable, familiar at home. I, I, I want to pull on some of those threads because, one, I agree with you. I think there is this thing of these issues are being phoned in. And, you know, you and I have sort of gone back and forth about the scene in House, Fall of the House of X, where Nightcrawler bamps out, you know, a soldier, an Orcus soldier, and we're like, Nightcrawler wouldn't kill. And that sort of has created this very uh, loud conversation in our comments and our DMs about it. And I want to say maybe it's less about what the character would do in this situation and more that there is no respect for what the character has been historically, or at least trying to give those beats in the plot where you can tell that the writer's like, well, Nightcrawler has been pushed to this moment, but let's see it. Let's see those inner workings for Nightcrawler. And it almost just seems it's more shock and style versus or over substance. In in terms of what, what you were... Of, what kind of sucks, though, is yeah. where the... Uh, Krakoa era is there they have so many different stories and plot threads I mean we'll get to it with uh probably the rise uh review uh but <laughs> there's just so much stuff that they need to wrap up that they don't even have time to catch up nope. with them with uh other characters and stuff and I want to give credit though to Hickman the X office with House of X and Rise of of 10 Rise of Powers of 10 um, yeah. Oh my God! Wait, I'm forgetting. Wait, Hotspots, Powers of Ten, Powers of Ten, Powers of yeah. Ten, and House of X. I I want to give them credit because the X Men back in like 2016 through 2019, it was it, the the IP was very stagnant, and we were all worried because of the Is that blue and gold stuff. Blue and gold, X Men disassembled, X Men Red. I I yeah. there there's not that's not to say that there's not stories in there that are good but the ip in general was not a priority for marvel and mm -hmm. the x-men were significantly on the back burner when we got hotspots when hickman came the amount of hype for the krakoan age and they were doing something different they were doing something provocative with the x-men and we were all like yes this is incredible right but then somewhere along the way and i have debated about this with many people in the past for me it would be around Trial of Magneto and Inferno, where the Krokon era seemed to have lost its way. And it started going off somewhere else. 
It's not to say that Immortal isn't a good story. It's not to say that we don't have pockets here, like Marauders I thought was really great. X-Men Red obviously is a fan favorite. But there was a general lack of direction, and I think it's now taken a toll on the books. And the yeah, fact that... I wonder if COVID had anything to do with it, too. Like we're, well, because um, if you think about it, like when Trial Magneto and Inferno came out, that's probably around the time when those were being drafted was after right after because it seems like right right after uh ten of swords they were like uh i don't know what to do (laughs) (laughs) i mean and listen by the way i have we gave ten of swords a really good review i loved i dude i love it was fun it was it is the perfect lockdown read you know to get this Mm -hmm. issue weekly they were on time editorially and the story, for the most part, is is tight. I don't. I think with the gift of retrospection, it's not the best X Men crossover out there. It's still a lot of fun. I but it's love fun. it so much, honestly. I, it's such a blast to read in my eyes. Oh, the hardcover. Do you have the hardcover? The hardcover mm-hmm. is beautiful. It's such love, a beautiful have, hardcover. Of course, I do. I got it as soon as it came out. <laughs> but you know, I I think I am disheartened. So we have a couple sources here at Power of X Men. I had heard that Krakoa is gonna go away. Krakoa is not coming back. And it took them a while to decide on the the finality of Krakoa because originally they were going to leave Krakoa out there as a concept for people to to revisit in the future, for future writers to revisit. But the higher-ups were like, no, get rid of it. We want it sponged from X-Men history. How they're going to do that, I don't know. But it, I, was, I am disheartened, was it uh, Kyrian's newsletter or someone else who was saying that like oh I just finished you know my last draft of this and I'm like oh so you really th- these stories are literally not being planned out they're just kind of being made up as we come towards the end here like for me I would have loved to have heard that during the summer they had a Marvel X-Men retreat they sat down and they decided how to end the Krakoan age. And that's just not, I'm not getting any wheels in motion is all I'm trying to say here. I do feel that this is just kind of issue by issue storytelling. Oh yeah. I mean, it just seems like a mess. There's, there doesn't seem to like be any communication like there used to be anymore. I agree. Like, I, know, agree. I know like they had like that X slack or whatever, but where like, is the just... X slack? Yes. <laughs> but it just doesn't seem like, uh, just like that sort of working as a team anymore just doesn't seem to be there. And I don't know if it's just because there's just not there. Like the, these group of people don't work well together or, I mean, this is, that's all speculation at this point, but like, it's just, I don't know. Like the heart's just not there anymore. And it's almost seems like they're purposely showing, like making the Krakoa era suck so bad near the end that you oh, just don't want to remember it anymore i agree a, i agree it's a bummer though because that's what actually got me into because i mean before krakoa era started i was getting subscriptions of nick spencer's spider-man but not really paying attention to anything else and then i read hawkspox during covid and like i started i i collected all the trade paperbacks i read everything and now i'm like did i just waste five years or whatever and a bajillion dollars on this stuff yes yes you did ultimately coming that's what it feels like and now i should have just now i'm the only good stuff is very few and far between 
I've tried not to hit up my sources on questions regarding the end of Krakoa because at this point it's like futile, right? And I don't want to yeah. know. I actually just want to genuinely be surprised. But I did hear a rumor floating around that came from two people that they're going to make this a dream, like something of that effect. Well, if what Rise is, they're trying to, if, from what it sounds like, like with what Xavier's doing, it's just like we're trying to make sure it never happened. I know. I okay, but I will say I do have a lot of grievances with certain plot beats in in Rise yeah. that just came out this week. But I think it was a good issue, by the way. I, a, I think it was a hearing it wasn't cares. He that's yeah, that's the thing. Duggan does not seem like he cares anymore. Gillen no. at Gillen and Ewing at least seem like they care. Even uh, uh Steve Fox seems like he really cares when he does. Oh, the we love X-Men. Steve Fox. We love Steve Fox so I, much. I do too. I, I I love his work, and so it's great to see. I don't know why Fabian is on doing. I don't know why there's a cable miniseries. <laughs> that seems even. It's not even tied to Orcus stuff. <laughs> well, here's my thing. This is my thing with new announcements and stuff like that. I don't want to be that angry fan, which is what I feel I am these days w- regarding the comics. Like I'm like, Wah! but like, there is this thing of like, no one asked for this book. And so that's fine. No one asked for this book, but tell us a good story. Give us something that we're like, oh, we didn't ask for this book, but we need this book. It feels like they're just meeting their publishing quota. That's and- what I feel like. I'm not saying. Cable's bad. I'm not yeah, saying. We that. Love I mean, cable. it's well, it's a, it's only one issue so yeah. far. Um, I don't think I've like, read it. <laughs> you don't need to. I mean, because it's not. There's no reason to for it to be there. There's a problem when I, who love Nathan Christopher Summers, when I love Nate Gray, and I'm like, oh yeah, that cable book that came out. I didn't. I didn't know that. And there are other people in this community who I'm not going to name them, obviously, but I have been friends with a long time. Here's a list. Here's a list of everyone. But we are of a certain readership. Some of the contemporaries I have that we became Wednesday warriors via Morrison's new X-Men. We came back to the X-Men via Morrison and we have been tuning in weekly since then. And we know which books are being published, right? The fact that we're sort of in the dark on some things or like, oh yeah, that did publish. I guess I'll just catch it on Marvel Unlimited is a problem, is a problem. And I find it very difficult to express that problem with other people who like the current books. And I love that they like the current books, but there has to be an audience for these titles outside of very small vocal minority, you know, online and, you know, hashtag X Twitter, X Instagram, whatever. And I, I really want the X-Men to thrive as an IP and I think the gateway for that is going to be a return to form with the mansion. However, it really well, upsets think- me because I think Krakoa could have been the next mansion for a new generation of readers. The potential. That the potential. It, it is so much. And I remember thinking, I don't know if you remember this, some of the data pages that we got at the beginning of Hawksbox, where they're like, if a mutant is unhappy with who they are, they can re you know they they can resurrect in a new body a new gender a new sex a new set Mm -hmm. of powers and you start thinking to yourself this is an interesting take on modern you know the x-men have always been emblematic of modern conversations with politics and religion this is now a really interesting venue and they just didn't they just never followed up on any of these stories that instead they tell us these stupid stories that no one cares about 
Anyways. Well, it kind of, I mean, I don't know. It's really weird because, I mean, it's all of the stuff I'm saying is all speculation because uh, there's no sources out there that really give you the no. what truly happened and stuff. But, like, Hickman's has uh, gone on record on saying, like, saying how, like, it, this stuff was supposed to be, like, a three-act thing and stuff, which I'm curious of what his original draft would have would have been. But I wonder if, like, it's interesting, too, because, like, once Hickman left, it seemed like it was, it just became this giant mess that I don't think anybody could comprehend anymore. Well, I just don't know what the end game was in the X office. And listen, we've had Jordan D. White on this podcast before. I loved Sailor Business. Him and Chris Sims did Sailor Business. I feel that, like, maybe once they lost their head of X, right, that was hickman's title there was a general lack of direction that i thought would have fallen on the editor then and been like okay you guys you can tell their stories however here are the big strokes you know of of points we want to hit because we're gearing towards this i i don't know i i really no but i'm saying like there was no nothing that they were striving for they were just going yeah just they were just going going like, like it, where? that's what i'm saying like after Ten of Swords, I feel like they were just just just, just going. Just they, there was no they were like, I'm my destination is to this next thing. There yeah. just wasn't. It was just like you get Hellfire Gala each each year. Um I which, mean you had you had it, Judgment Day too, which was I think one of Marvel's strongest events in a while. Yeah. But it just but everything else just seemed like substance but not actual good purpose well i, I agree on purpose acts i'm gonna be, listen i i fell off of acts i did not finish really? reading it not because oh, I, I remember i remember you telling me that last or a couple years ago not that i thought it was pretty listen kirian is a great writer that those are just facts. I, I loved when he was on Generation Hope. I love his extinction team during the Utopian era. I think Immortal X Men had a really strong start. Acts well written. However, I think you nailed it when you said the, the beats in the story are just not there. Exactly. And, it, yeah. and it's not making me compelled to read the next issue. And that's mm -hmm. really hard to do. And and I am not envious, but I think Kirian is one of those writers who, who's able to do it. But listen, I think I think they, there was a lot of squandered potential. I think Krakoa could have been what 90s Jim Lee for a new generation, right? Krakoa and X-Men. They just did I, not make it. I looked at it too. Yeah. I mean, Hotspots for sure is 90s Jim Lee in terms of excitement, in terms of the mark, in terms of people coming back to the X-Books. But they did it's... not hold on to it long enough. Yeah. No, well... Not at all, because <laughs> that, that's exact. Because I read, because uh, I actually did read that stuff recently. I remember texting you about, "Hey, where should I start with the '90s?" And I just started uh, with the Jim Jim Lee stuff. Yep. But that's how it, it's really interesting how it sort of mirrors each other yeah. in that way, where it's so strong in a start. However, it just dwindles out like you just keep on it, it's weird maybe it's because it's comics you can't have an end normally and so it, it yeah i agree with you on that but i, I, I think know. beats in the story happen i think hawks pox let me tell you something with hawks pox 
it was so chilling when there was a scene between Xavier and Cyclops. And Cyclops is like, well, okay, fine. We'll go to Orcus. We'll do this. What's the big deal? And Xavier's like, we think this is where Nimrod comes online. And you're like, fuck. Like, that is it. Like, the st- now the stakes of the story are up here, mm-hmm. right? Because Rachel, Kitty, or Kate, you know, come from a future where Nimrod wins, that they're enslaved. So this story goes from not just being about mutant kind thriving, Mm-hmm. But also, it's a personal vendetta for these characters. Gene and Cyclops don't want their daughter to grow up in this dystopian timeline, right? No one wants the mutants rounded up and put into concentration camps, especially since they had just started Krakoa. Destiny, you know, is not allowed to be resurrected because Moira has a personal vendetta against her, right? It's so, like, the storytelling was so epic. And yet... That's it. That's it. Then, then, then we get garbage like Trial of Magneto. Then we get these stories that like 10 lives and 10 deaths of Wolverine. It yeah. just, it goes well, nowhere. kind of a joke now. Yeah, Nimrod is hysterical. I'm sorry. Uh, the way, how was he stopped? Uh, uh, Krakoas threw a snot rocket on him. Right? Like this is, mm-hmm. like it was embarrassing. Like he got trapped in like sap. So I don't know. It's Listen, we can rant about it uh, all day long, but it's squandered potential, in my opinion. It's just it it sucks that it's harder to find the good stuff. And it's easier to pick the I mean, it's always easy to pick the bad stuff, but like with this, it's hard to find the good stuff amongst all the crap. Yeah, but I wanted I, my, my point of my rant was that I don't think many of us who love the mansion, I do love the mansion. I'm always gonna love the X-Men in the mansion as a school. However, I think many of us acknowledge that going to the past is not always the best direction because once you have the genie out of the bottle like Krakoa, what you stay on Krakoa, you know? Yeah. Um, and I agree with you. I think given the, I, I want to say success of the X-Men 97 trailer, but because we're in the internet in 2024, everything is contentious. So yeah. asterisk on the success of the trailer, I, I worry that Marvel is going to be looking too much to the past and start regurgitating stories that we've yeah. sort of already had when it should be a look yeah. forward. Well, I, I think that might be why they got Tom Brevoort to do that. Not saying like Brevoort looks to the past, but he is a guy who is very prevalent during the 90s era yeah. at Marvel. Damn. So, But uh, I was going to say something else, but I totally forgot. <laughs> all right do well do we want to dive into rise of the powers of 10 issue two because you yeah, know yeah. again yeah i i thought it was pretty good man i you know we have xavier and rasputin and mm-hmm. rachel and air quote doug plotting you know how to prevent <laughs> krakow from ever happening and they want to get to moira and they want to talk to her before her powers activate I don't know what the point of having the dead X-Men, and I know you like dead X-Men, and we Mm -hmm. both love Steve Fox here, but I am profoundly confused in why do we need the dead X-Men if we know where Moira is going to be? Is is this a plot point that's just evading me? uh, Well, I I would say the main reason it's a thing is because Marvel's trying to have more books on the shelves. (laughs) Yes, Um, Yes. you're absolutely right. But I think it's also just kind of I would say it. I could see it's out there just to see like other potential timelines to see if there's something that they missed it or explore 
something that's just an excuse i'm kind of coming up with but <laughs> it just like you look at these things like streamlining and one of the things that my biggest issue with the krakoan age has been the x-men don't uh, come off as strategists the yeah. x-men come off like very dumb on a lot of stuff like why wouldn't they have very heightened security at a hellfire gala right hey how could mystique just mosey on in to island m and get destiny's resurrection protocols right like it, it Mutant security would account for shapeshifters, time travelers, stuff like that. Similarly, here, why wouldn't you, um, why wouldn't you travel back in time to just a moment before Moira's powers activate? And and I don't know. I, I mean, I know Doug has a line in here where he's here, like I think we should just shoot her, you know, while she's in well, Euro or something like that. And I'm not going to. But there disagree. is a reason why he says that, though. Yeah. Well, yes, because it's not. <laughs> yes. Do you want to say why? <laughs> Oh, well, it's sinister. I mean, yeah. he's, it's not Doug. <laughs> yeah. It's just, um, I just think, like, I would just like to see some of the X-Men sitting down and, like, being really smart. Because, again, for me, this is a total waste of time that, and I'm trying to understand the story. Familiar at home, you can slide into my DMs and tell me I'm not understanding something or I missed a point. I don't understand what is the point of sending this team of dead X-Men from reality to reality looking for a version of Moira when you can just send them to the past and verify that Moira doesn't have her her X-Gene activated yet and then bring in Xavier. I mean, that to me feels like a bigger epic story than just sort of neandering for, for four issues of dead X-Men just to meet your publishing quota. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you mean. You're not finding a purpose behind that book being... Yeah. And I love C. Fox. I just want to say, because C. Fox, I think, is one of those writers that not only respect X-Men history, but also can weave it into their narrative. I well, really I do think, think that. And I think the reason why did I'm enjoying Dead X-Men so far, I granted there's only one issue, is it actually feels like a special Krakoa book instead of just bullshit. <laughs> I agree with you on that. What about what are your thoughts on Dominion? It's very weird because it doesn't it it only seems to be Gillen's very like mystery behind the whole thing. But behind his like little X saga. And what sucks is like it doesn't seem to be a primary feature in any of the other X books. So I don't not saying I don't care because I do love what Gillen's doing, especially like I'm very intrigued by what dominion is but it, i'm don't i I'm not saying i don't care but someone else told me that on dms because I, I i said on my subs for for power of x when we have a sub channel i said yeah. i actually really like this book and they replied saying i feel like i'm the only one who doesn't and the reason being was because i get it there's momentum building in these pages He's a good writer. The art, the RB Silva art is beautiful. Mm -hmm. However, I just don't care. I do not care about Dominion. And I'm like, okay, fine. And by the way, I have a hard time understanding what Dominion is, which is like the highest form of evolution for machines and AI, right? Do I have that in a nutshell? Yeah, that's that's what I was able to gather. And it's not saying it's bad i'm not saying it's bad at all it's just like gillen is the only one that cares about dominion and none of the other x books are and if it's supposed to be this all-powerful force why is no one else caring about it because 
if only one person cares about it, then who cares? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm right there with you. And I hate to say that because I love this is really enticing. It really is. It's pretty decent writing compared to everything else because he, Gillen's trying to wrap up everything here in a very powerful extravagant way at almost in the same way that Hoxpox started but yeah, it's just like but like marvel and almost everyone else just does is just wanting to finish this get get it over with finish the job so yeah someone else can come in and take over it's so funny i think well a like i'm just in awe of how you're interpreting the situation because you only came to X-Men during Hoxpox. And I think you have a really good understanding of the X-Books and what constitute good X-Stories. And Oh, well, thank you. I Sometimes I, I don't think I do. <laughs> I do. I think you do, man. Like, you know how much I love your reviews. Um, but I think what, like you just said, it. I, I just have a sense that they want this over with. That's it. Mm -hmm. that, you know, like we're gearing up for our reboot in July and we're going to end the story and we don't know how we're going to end it, but here's a 599 book you know and and they're suckers I mean, like how me fall feels like yeah well i don't you know fall of yeah i've complained about fall of fall of x quite a bit on this podcast already but i just i really wish that there would have been a lot of care given here and and again i i, I want to veer stay clear from saying things like this is what i would have done but there are mm. so obvious like plot beats that never get fully realized. You know, I was reminded here in this issue where Rasputin is like, oh, I come from a future, you know, Mother Ascani is so great, you know, all this stuff, you're yeah. revered as a hero. And I can't help but think of the Hellfire Gala issue with Kamala and, and, and Rasputin giving the same exact line to her. And I really wish that, like, in the moment, Kamala would have been like, well, wait a minute, what are my mutant powers? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because you're from the future. We, we're facing another extinction level event here. We need to be on our A game. Tell us more. And it's just, it's one of those things that I just feel that like no one cares. And I think when you care, that natural organicness in the story is is fleshed out. And and intuitively as readers, we know when someone's phoning it in. But yeah. yeah. And I think that's, I, there's just too much. Uh, I don't want to use like an easy word like crap but like there's just like do it do it call no but i was just meaning like there's just some like how you mentioned kamala khan like there's just something sour about that just does not feel right like um, especially since she has mutant powers and stuff because that's that ruined kind of ruined her character anyways but that's i that agree happened i don't want to talk about that but like it's just Reading this just takes away, like, I'm, I feel like I'm making a mistake. <laughs> like, I hate to say, it, it's weird to say that, but like, I'm reading it just so I can find out how it ended. Same, same, same. And I, I took a pause from the weeklies in the spring, right up to the Hellfire Gala. And I think, I didn't think the Hellfire Gala this year was particularly good, but there was no denying the media halo around it, the hype around it. So I was like, okay, I want to join in on this fun. I want to see what's happening weekly. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I'm so into, you know, obviously I'm invested in the X-Men IP. I'm in, I, I want to see how this ends and that's all. I do want to say though, in terms of enjoying, I think, I think that's what I liked about this issue. 
was that I think Kyrian really does care and is telling a story he wants to. Yeah. And I think RB Silva, the art is go- this art is not phoned in. This art this is, is it, he's working hard on it. This is interesting. I don't know if it's because I hate to compare it to Lucas Wernick, but because he they're a very fantastic artist too, as you could see from his immortal X-Men stuff. But like it almost looks like they gave Lucas no time and they gave RB Silva all the time in the world because of his name. And so I don't know if like Fall of House of Ten or Powers uh whatever. But uh, Fall <laughs> No one cares about that title. It, it's almost <laughs> like they came up with that title at the last second. Oh, 100%. And we had someone on from Marvel when that title was sort of announced. And they're like, yeah, we don't know if it's Powers of Ten or Power of X. You know, uh, I should ask. And I'm like, you should know. You are on an X-Men podcast. It's Publicity 101. I don't want to be shady about it because it was a great guest, everything. But I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, if you don't care, why should I care? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, if, if you guys are phoning in the books, why should I? I, I feel for Lucas Warneck because I've seen some of the reviews out there where people are calling out the art. I don't think the art was terrible. I, I don't. He, he did as best he could with what he was delivered. It's just yeah. hard to. I mean, it's just it ends. You, it's just hard to not see the it, it being quickly done and that's not to his fault it's just yeah it, it's there i mean he did the best he could and i'm i hate to pity him but like i mean you know lucas warneck presumably giving a decent deadline delivers beautiful beautiful mm-hmm. art and we have posted some of that art before and it's been really great but you and i were talking about it too when we were thinking about when we were gonna post for our collaboration for your review I, I think I said, I was like, I there are not many shots here that are Instagram-worthy for engagement. You know, yeah. a lot of it is just thrown in. He draws a beautiful Polaris. I think he Polaris looks great. He actually really does, yeah. Polaris looks great. I love that Popo is getting her shine here. But, you know, one of the things here that in this issue, one of the, that Kieran has been doing with Immortal, assuming he's going to do an Eternal as well, are this ideas of religion, and themes sort of tied to spiritualism and being in the white mm-hmm. hot room. Yeah. I don't, I think it's, I, it's one of those things that like, I think we're seeing too much of the white hot room, which I cannot believe I am saying something like that because I've end of more <laughs> sense to say, yeah. <laughs> I know I want to see the white hot room, but I think there is a, a certain level of intrigue, keeping the white hot room nebulous for the reader and now that we have Xavier and Rachel talking to Hope and asking questions like, well, how does Hope have a gun in the White Hot Room? It's like, mm-hmm. how are any of them in the White Hot Room? You know, now they, why is this one detail you guys are harping on? I don't know how yeah. I feel about it, but I do. I've seen some of like the covers out there for, you know, X-Men Eternal. That's another thing. I'm not following the covers or any of the releases as closely as I once did. What's X-Men Eternal? Uh, is it X-Men isn't Eternal it for, or is Forever? Isn't it Forever? See, I don't even know the fucking title. <laughs> I don't even know the fucking title. X-Men Forever. Um, where we are, see... the, are you looking at like the Mark Brooks covers and stuff? Yeah. Is that the one? So we have one of Hope and there's a shadow of her as an archangel. Yeah. Is that like the, I think that's the last, or at least for that last issue, I think. I may be wrong is about it? that. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I love the idea of them trying to tie in together the best. That is a Phoenix Mythos post and song. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know what 
what I'm supposed to be taking away from these spiritual kind of conversations. And there's also this element of metaism where it's like, okay, we are going to kill the Phoenix in the white hot center and the machine AI is going to sort of take rise and right. And, and, oh my God, I'm forgetting her name. I was about to call her Madame Webb. Oh my gosh. Uh, Mother Righteous. Um, Madame Webb. Well, that's what sucks too with Mother Righteous because I really like Mother Righteous as a character. I th I was a huge fan of Cy Spurrier's uh, books with Way of X, uh, Legion's, uh, Legion and um, Uncanny Spider-Man. And he invented, uh, like, not invented, but, like, Mother Righteous was, originated from his books and stuff. But uh, what sucks is, like, not a lot of other people did. And so, like, she didn't play a huge prominent feature until probably like sins of uh, sins of sinister when uh, she started playing a bigger role. And once Gillen brought her in, I, I like her as a character. I think she's actually pretty cool. And I like how she's tied into Mr. Sinister and whatnot. And I like how they're kind of utilizing her in rise of uh, the powers of 10. So hard, these are way too many hard titles to say. <laughs> I can't even anymore. Anyway, so my feels, just to end it, yeah. is I, because I really want to talk to you about Ultimate Spider-Man, but my feels in summation, this isn't the story I want, but I, I don't think this issue is bad, and I want to give credit because I think both artists no, I and writer... No, I don't think bad either. I, I think they, they, they really brought whatever A-game you can have on this playing field, they brought mm -hmm. that A-game. So this is the best yeah. of... Fall of X, in my, in my opinion, the best of what Fall of X has to offer. If you're going to read anything, read Rise of the Powers of X or Rise of the Powers of Ten, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really did like this issue, though. Like, uh, don't, like, yes, I have negative comments. Unfortunately, I keep on tying it back to Fall of X and everything else. But I really think what's great about Rise of Ten is, yeah, Gillen cares, Silva cares, um, and everyone that is doing this book does care. I like how Gillen... I like how Gillen took the time with this one and to kind of slow things down a little bit to kind of explain some things and kind of get into the mindset. But yeah, uh, overall, I think Rise is a decent, it's probably the best book, uh, like you said, it's probably the best book out of Fall of X so far. And and I liked issue two. I liked how Gillen, he didn't, he really slowed things down. Like, cause I mean, there's a lot to read through and he has a lot of stuff that he needs to wrap up before issue five comes out. And he also has X-Men forever, which should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So not X-Men eternal. eternal. Yeah. <laughs> you, said eternal. you said that earlier. I'm like, I'm just going to ignore it. But if he says it again, I'm probably going to question it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, anyone can bust my, my chops here. Um, but specifically with you, I love I love it when people are like, oh, you got that wrong. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. But again, there is a problem if I don't know the title. If, you, I, I, if I'm if sorry. The if the X-Men, the Prime X-Men podcast does not under not yeah. know the title. If I don't know the wrong. news and everything. Yeah, I agree. I'm sorry. But that's it. But you know what title I do know? Ultimate Spider-Man. I love this title. I, I love Dude. this book so much. Uh, I'm so glad we're ending on a high note because this book is so beautiful. Oh. It's so, it's it. I've never read a book that's brought me. There are books that bring me joy, but this one, like every time I look at it and read it and say that Jonathan Hickman and Marco Chiquetto and Matt Wilson and Corey Petit are doing 
a ultimate Spider-Man book, I just smile so big it's... and I open the pages and I get to see the beautiful art and the wonderful dialogue. And first of all, I just want to point out, I think Marco Cicchetto is the only artist in the world that can actually draw kids. I agree with you. May in this issue looks very much like a kid. And it's not even just that they look like kids. Their body language is yes. like like them at the table. And by the way, not only them at the table, at a table in a small apartment in Manhattan. I mean, listen, they have a nice apartment, but there is, I'm telling you, it's just it's a realistic. thing. It's realistic. <laughs> yeah. And even like the shot of the Chrysler building with the with the birds flying through it. I, I worked by the Chrysler building back, you know, when I was at Hachette. That shit does happen. And it's a mm -hmm. beautiful celebration. You know what I mean? Like the art is a celebration of the city, of the characters, of of art. It's just so beautiful. Sorry. Of Spider-Man. Well, it's so great. I I just love it. What's so fantastic of what Hickman does here is he's playing in familiar territory, right? Like there, you see some of the familiar tropes from Spider-Man's origins. Like he is, uh, he's learning how to web swing. He's learning, like, oh dear God, I got to eat ten thousand calories because I'm catching buses and swinging around all throughout the night. But like, there are tons of surprises here that still give this a unique take that's so fun and engaging and fresh. And one of my favorite things that he's doing is that he's balancing multiple tones so well. You have, like, you still have, like, the street-level grounded feel, like, especially, like, when he's dealing with Shocker and, like, um, and everything else. And, like, you have Ben and Jonah, which I are, Ben and Jonah is the dynamic duo I did not know I needed. Oh, my I gosh. Need I agree with you. I They need their own spinoff book. I just need a spinoff book on that. Give them, like, a, uh, like... Uh, how like 20 or so years ago you had the pulse give us a daily bugle book i am okay well, with that well so my question for you was what do you think they're going to name their publication oh, i don't know I, I i i don't know either but whatever it is i'm sure it's just going to be amazing you it, know it's going to be if it, nothing's like new from it like if it's from hickman it's going to be something that we're all going to go like yeah that makes sense that's great <laughs> I want the, the spinoff book. The only note I had when I was reading it in mentally was that I don't know if you know the show Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, there was a senior editor there called Lou Grant. And when the series mm -hmm. ended, Lou Grant got his own series. And it was very gritty and raw. And it dealt being a newspaper journalist in, in Los Angeles. I believe the series took place in Los Angeles. I want that vibe and tone with Jonah and Ben. Oh, my God. I agree with you. We, I did not know any. But okay, this is what we were talking about earlier with X Men. If someone had told me we're going to give you a relationship, a friendship between Ben and Jonah, I would be like, "What? That's ridiculous." And then I read it. I'm like, "This is what I need." You, 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 you encapsulate. I needed this. I want to see them in a bathhouse, sort of like brainstorming ideas for their publication because they both lost oh, the yeah. bugle. It's, it's it's genius. It's just so it, good. Uh, well, just their dynamic is very well put together. And I think it also really helps with uh, uh, Chiquetto's art here, especially with like the panel layouts. I think just really gravitate and get keep readers engaged in the story. And it's just, it flows so well together. And I just, it, it's so good. I just love it. And then uh, the other... Uh, plot thread i think that 
which is really this is really cool too what hickman's doing that you don't really see in modern comics anymore is he's bouncing multiple plot threads which i think hickman is very known for being Mm -hmm. for to being able to do that very well i mean he's kind of doing it in gods he's done in everything else he's done but like with ultimate spider-man you have peter and his family you have jonah and ben and you're still able to mix in like the sci-fi politics really what like what the maker did in ultimate invasion yeah and everything else but he's still able to mix it's not it's not like overbearing it's not out of nowhere and it doesn't like mess with the tone of the story because you still involve kingpin because kingpin is knows somewhat of the cabal that the maker made and hickman is still able to incorporate that just just enough that aids ben and jonah's story that then is probably going to tie into spider-man's involvement and stuff like that and it's just it is just peak storytelling and it just blows me away and I am so happy I'm able to like say praise about a Marvel book that it just it just makes me so happy like almost brings tears to my eyes I am not bullshitting you (laughs) well I I know what Spider-Man means to you personally as a reader and I have to tell you this is the Spider-Man I've been dying to see in the books Mm -hmm. right I, I I had fun with the Beyond saga only because you and I were talking about it Right. Oh, yeah, it was just you and I. We were, of course, it, it was going to yeah, be fun. <laughs> uh, it was always going to be fun. And I, and I enjoyed it because of that. In the same way I enjoyed Moon Knight when we covered Moon Knight. But I wouldn't say that inside, I personally loved the story, that I want to be this version of Peter Parker, right? Mm-hmm. That is not the case with Ultimate. Not only do I love talking about it with you, but I love the story and I want to be this Peter Parker. And there's I agree with tone and multiple like plot threads, but for me, there is this character development with Peter being 35, figuring out how to use his powers, coming up and shocker being like, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm only doing this because I got a sick kid. Which call back to Spider-Man 3 and Sandman. And I actually for a second there, I was like, Oh, okay, wow. And then he's here like sucker, you know, and then like blast it. It was so I laughed. Those, I laughed so hard. It, like that's how you do a long running gag in a comic yeah. book. Oh my god. I just and it's and it, what makes it better, it's not like random quips that Spider-Man says. It's yeah. just he builds it up and then he gets uh he gets screwed over not once but twice. And it's just so funny and and i think there's also this beauty beautiful and i don't know if this is intentional by hickman or just a byproduct of the situation but there is this sort of beauty of how naive peter is probably as a 15 year old kid versus and a 35 year old man because like yeah if i busted if someone now right in my life i saw someone busting something I would be like, man, what are you doing? And if they were like, man, I'm really trying to support my family and everything. But like, I get it. I have a mortgage. I would too, yeah. I I get it. Don't worry about it. And then they'll be like, sucker. So I think there's this beauty that no matter how much we age, we are always going to look at people with a certain light and sort of naiveness. And I love that that Hickman drew that for Peter. And I listen, it's just great. It's just so wonderful. I I don't know what to tell you. Like I know. I have nothing but praise for this book, and this gives me hope for Marvel. And and what what is the official designation for this universe? It's six one six. 
zero. Three? Yeah. Oh, zero. No, it's six one six zero. Okay, there you go. I'm like, can we at the end of this just have this be our prime Peter? That's what kind of I, I. That's why I texted. No, that's that contentious. Yesterday. Well, okay, I texted you this last night. I'm like, this gives me hope for Marvel. But yeah. then you said, I think you're like, hold on to that thought or something like that. Yeah. And then I literally held on to that thought. I I started thinking about it after I texted you that. I'm like, it sucks that it gives me hope that Marvel is willing to make these great stories, but somewhere else. You know what I mean? But right. And it, it becomes a DC issue where you get these really great stories, but they're not really in canon. Yeah. And it sort of sours your enjoyment of like what is main continuity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's very interesting too with like because I, I love this issue, but it's it makes me wonder like what are the main books gonna do? Like main Spider-Man is gonna fall so hard. Well, I have to tell you this I'm sorry, go. No, I was. It's. I'm just curious because I mean, like, Amazing Spider-Man will always sell well because two things. One, it's Spider-Man. Number two, it, it's always going to be like that sort of collector's item sort of deal. Like you always have to. Spider-Man's always going to be the yeah. greatest hero, and it's always going to be one of the best-selling comics ever. Great. Like it's always going to be high weekly, monthly, however the hell so- sales work. Yeah, but I'm very it, curious with Ultimate Spider-Man how it's going to truly affect it. Like. I mean, it sold out. The first issue sold out like multiple times already, and even Ultimate yeah. Black Panther sold out too. And so, I'm just really curious of how that's going to affect the Amazing Spider-Man going forward. Like, are they going to say, "Ooh, we're screwing up," or like, "We're just going to keep on what we're doing," and Hickman's going to keep on doing what they're doing? I don't well, know. I think it's you know, I think there's a larger question here because one more day. It's sort of a, a very contentious Spider-Man story, and I was reading the books, you know, when it happened. Um, what was the one where Norman Osborn and Gwen Stacy hooked up? Forgotten oh, since 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 past. And then we got one more day, and the marriage between Mary Jane and Peter Parker was retconned out, and Casada kind of came out and was like, "No one wants to see characters married because it ages them." And I remember at the time being like, "Fine, I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. but." There is something about the MJ Spider-Man dynamic that people love. We want to see these characters together with with, with a family. And well, I feel like they, they sort of never understood that. And now with something like Ultimate Spider-Man, everyone is so excited. And not only because they have done, what was it, uh, Renew Your Vows mm-hmm. during the Secret Wars arc. I don't remember that having the same oomph that this has, but this is well-written. This is well-written. That's it. People will love a well-written story. Well, and what's nuts is like this comic is proof that uh, a married adult Peter can still be youthful, quippy, and fun. Yeah, agreed. 100% agreed. And I don't know, like the art is just really good. I think there's thoughtfulness with this storytelling. I particularly like that the focus is on may because obviously she will eventually one day grow up to be spider girl you know she had her own comic in the 90s in the 616 what happened to her after you know the induced pregnancy you know question mark question mark so i'm Mm. glad this character is getting her her rightful dues but that last page where she like leaves him a note because for the family at home who probably didn't who haven't read the issue may stumbles upon peter dressed as spider-man and at the end 
I know, and it's so beautiful. And at the end, she leaves him a note saying, I've thought about your your costume. And it's the red and blue. And I'm like, oh, well, And it's the beautiful. spider very reminiscent of like Ditko's creation way back in the 60s. And so it's just... It's just so beautiful, and I love Peter and May's relationship because I you could almost see it as very reminiscent of Peter and Aunt May a little bit too, like how their connection oh, was. Very fair, man. I didn't even think about that. Yes, one hundred percent. It's just I love how they trust each other and stuff, and like, like she knows he's Spider Man before anyone else does, like Mary Jane and um, I think their son's Richard. It's just so it yeah. It'll be interesting if that ever explodes in his face or um, because he has to tell him eventually because, I mean, you can't hide this when you're a married man, especially with, I mean, having kids and stuff. But I I love that dynamic. I love that question mark. And I think Mary Jane is written so well. Mm -hmm. I love when she's just sipping the coffee and she's like, oh, by the way, are you working out? Which is something like, I'm telling you, as someone who's been married for a long time, I'll look at my husband and I'll be like, wait a minute, have you been working out? And then just kind of like, it's just really smart. And the alternative, you, you know, option we have with Mary Jane now is she has power. She has kids. She's some guy named Paul. And it, it's just a bunch of gibberish, and I'm like, no, I it doesn't it doesn't work for me. And you know, she I'm need a, powers to be awesome. Yeah, she not everyone in Spider Man's cast needs powers, right? That's mm-hmm. the the and I think Mary Jean's power is her presence. You know, like you hit the jackpot, Tiger. That there's an electricity in the character, but that's just but that's how she's kind of like in the art. She just looks so. She has such a presence in her art. In, in because her, the in, IP in is so great, and no, and you don't need to tinker with what makes the IP of Mary Jane so great. Let her be Mary Jane, and you don't have to give her this weird convoluted. Or just like Kamala, I mean, Kamala on her own—that is, that is to me is a perfect character. And now well, you're going to model her, you yeah, know, with like, her as a mutant. That it shows she did not need to be a mutant to be, um, prominent. And important. Anyways, this I, I have nothing but great things to say uh, about this. I think everyone should be reading this. I this is not only the best of Marvel right now. I think historically, some of the best writing and art that Marvel has ever done in its catalog. In I think years. Yeah. So long. Probably probably since before I was way before I was even born. <laughs> And I have to tell you, there there is a school of thought like, oh, you know, like if something is so good, it's going to bring in new readers automatically. And that's what it did for me because, as you know, I'm not a weekly Spider-Man reader, and I'll tune in when you I want to. You ask me. You're like, is this worth it? I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's like, right. right. I, I DM'd you. I asked yeah. you, was Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man worth it? And you said yes, and I trust all your recommendations. Cause I, I, thank I, you. We, I'm kind of known for not liking good comics too, so thank you. <laughs> but you gave me wait, what? What book was it that you gave me the recommendation for? Was it? It was displaced by yeah, by, by Ed, Ed Brisson. Yeah. And I have to tell you, my Saturday night or whatever night I stayed in, I was assembling a Gundam and reading that and eating pizza. It was oh, one of my. Fa- I know, dude. It was one. I'm, we're waiting for our TV to arrive because otherwise, I'd be playing like video games as well. <laughs> I was just like, this is such a great recommendation. So when weeks ago you had or told me this, I already knew you were a source of good recommendations. Um, we, it's flawless. That's it. I'm a believer. I don't want it to end. I don't want it. I want it to continue going. And by the way, this issue, not a lot happens in this issue. 
and I enjoyed it. This is not a particularly epic, big issue. It is a no. very boots on the ground issue. That's it's such a great issue because it nails every single character, balances every single tone involved, and even if the plot doesn't move so far like there's not that much there's very subtle plot development but the focus and on its characters everyone involved is handled so perfectly that's what makes it a great comic oh yes what's going on with your life tell me where can folks hit you up you got like really serious for a second i'm like i still recording <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, you can find me at Masters of Comic Books, all one word, no anything else, just Masters of Comic Books. I do reviews and poll lists and anything else comics because that's like 90% of my life and then 10% of it is work. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to tell you, when we first started Masters years ago, I was like, ah, don't expect so much from the social media because doing these general comic book accounts, it's kind of hard. And you were like, hold my beer and wow like <laughs> i do not I, drink beer but well yes. you know hold my coffee <laughs> you know and i i'm constantly amazed at the at the engagement not only that you get over at masters but also the the thoughtfulness and thoroughness of your reviews and your how you're able to sort of encapsulate not only your feelings but the general mood of an audience and that's Thank really you. hard to have your ear to the ground on that and that, thank you. That truly really means a lot. I I would probably be lost without comics. And so when I do things, I put a lot of thought and care to the reviews. And when I try to talk to people and give them recommendations, I just I, I just want to give them the care and love that comics have always given me. And so yeah. I, I, I just I really love this medium. There's not a medium like it. And so and that's why I do Masters of Comic Books.